Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Hope you're doing well. I tell you what, there's a lot of activity at the Texas legislature. We're getting into some of the last days, you might say, running into getting close to some deadlines or at least being aware of some deadlines because there's important work to do. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And a majority of the work we do, particularly in an odd number year, is at the state legislature. And so uh, you're familiar in Texas, the state legislature meets every other year for only five months. Some people think that's a good thing, less opportunity for the government or some people to do damage, but it means it's a limited amount of time to address some of the real issues and problems that we see happening in our state and often in other parts of the country where we see those problems growing. And there's no question that one of those is the save women's sports issue. And so Texas Values has been leading the effort to pass legislation to protect women from having men and boys compete against them at different levels in competitive sports. We passed legislation uh, last session, 2021, during a special session to protect girls from K through 12. Now we're working on that protection at the college level. And I'm glad we've got a guest today who is right on point for this issue. Macy Petty is a collegiate volleyball player. She is competitive on the team at Lee University, which is in Cleveland, Tennessee. She's originally from South Carolina, and she's been in situations before where she's had to compete against boys or men throughout her career. Macy, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, it's great to have you on and, you know, maybe a little more opportunity to have you on in the spring because I know volleyball, oftentimes you see more competitively in the fall. I know y'all probably practice and you're probably involved year round, but um, and it fits our timing well. I mean, we're right in the middle of our session working on this issue and save women's sports. And I know you're familiar with it. Uh, as my understanding, you have testified uh, before uh, legislative bodies in the state of Tennessee on this issue. We got a copy of your testimony from last year on this, where I know that's been an issue in Tennessee and other states. I know you're also an ambassador for Young Women for America, which is a part of our good friends Concerned Women for America nationally. Macy, tell us a little bit about your uh, volleyball and your athletic background, and then we want to talk a little bit about why you got involved in this issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much. So I have absolutely loved volleyball ever since I was little. My dad, uh, he was a college basketball player. And so he put me on the basketball court, but my heart was just screaming to play some volleyball. And so I worked really hard ever since I played, you know, church ball when I was in elementary school. My parents would always joke because I would just sit outside for hours trying to learn how to overhand serve. I was just absolutely determined. And then in middle school, I decided that it would be a personal goal of mine to pay for my college by pursuing an athletic scholarship. It was something that I was willing to work for. I sacrificed a lot for. I was that girl who never got to go to prom or do any of those normal high school things. And so it was something that I worked for really, really hard. And um, so how volleyball works is usually most of the recruiting happens at um, these national club tournaments. So I would travel every weekend. Uh, with my volleyball team, I would travel just for practice every day um, <clears throat> to compete at the highest level that I possibly could. And so at one of these tournaments, um, this was back probably at least five years ago. And yes, I know it was five years ago. <laughs> and um, okay. we walked into the court. There was lots of college recruiters there. You know, this is my opportunity to show them what I'm made of, show off my skills, hopefully um, have them 
assess my skills, you know, and see if I would be a good fit for their team. And so we walked up and we looked at the competition and there was a boy on the team. And I was like, this isn't right. I did not sign up for a co-ed league. This is supposed to be women's volleyball. Um, but this athlete identified as transgender. So, uh, the athlete was wearing, you know, baggy shorts. It was very obvious by physical build that the athlete was male. And so we played against the athlete, kept slamming the ball in our faces. It was hard for these college recruiters to see any skill on our part and evaluate our skills because we were just having the ball slammed in our face. And I think a very important note is that boys nets are seven and a half inches higher than female nets. Mm -hmm. And that, that has nothing to do with anything other than biological facts. So this athlete was playing on a net seven and a half inches shorter uh, than he should have and playing against girls. <laughs> so, well, and look, that's not uncommon to see sports no. um, that have different sort of uh, maybe the, the field is a little bit different size or the ball is a little bit different, right? Yeah. Softball. You've got a bigger ball that that's, uh, you know, built a different way and a field that's a lot smaller. Now, you know, those are still competitive sports. I mean, you've ever been to a softball game. It's almost as since everything's closer, the ball moves just as fast. But I mean, you know, there's some differences that account for that. And and we've always acknowledged that. And so why sh why we should be doing things different all of a sudden or over a short period of time just does not add up. And there are consequences, right? There are real world consequences to this. Like you mentioned, right? You've got an athletic scholarship on the line. You've got scouts there. You're trying to, to do the best you can. And then you've got to deal with on the other side of the net, if you will, is a boy, is a man, right? I mean, and I don't know how old he was at that time, but we know the maturity of boys, many of them, you know, go through puberty and finish a lot of their development in high school, right? I mean, some, uh, you know, after high school will grow a little bit, you see that, but the majority of it is during that time period in high school, and it, it absolutely can have an advantage and probably, you know, draw some concern for the athletes there. And so, and, and I like that you talked a little bit about your background, you know, early on, right? Some of the dedication, some of the uh, sacrifices that you make. I mean, you know, the way uh, sports is these days with there's so much connection to the financial side of it, right? That people can be a career, can be very lucrative in, in many different ways, but it's extremely competitive, right? I mean, there, there's still only a certain amount of slots, if you will, on teams and opportunities. And so it starts for many people, uh, boys and girls at a young age, making those sacrifices. And so it really just reminds us of how wrong it is when you see these opportunities taken away from young ladies. All right, real quick, before I forget, I'm going to share this on my page, um, our Texas Values uh, Facebook feed. So if you're watching on Facebook, we invite you to do that as well. Let's share this Let's get it into some chats. Let's get a lot of attention on it because this is a very important conversation. And Macy, so you talked a little bit about your interaction, unfortunately, with um, having a, a young man on the other team that you had to face and how difficult and, and how concerning that was. Tell us about your experience in, in getting involved in the legislative process. And good Lord, you see what, what's happening to collegiate athletes like Riley Gaines having the courage to talk about this publicly. What's that experience been like for you? Yeah. So I actually got a call uh, back in 2021 from a friend or somebody who was friends with my mom. I didn't know him directly at the time, but he was working in the South Carolina legislature and he was like, Hey, we have a girl sports bill coming up. Um, and my mom, my mom had told him about my story and he was like, can you come testify? I was like, what in the world? I was like, people even need to hear this. Like it was, I couldn't comprehend that anyone would 
object, you know, obviously girl sports are made for girls' bodies. Boy sports are made for boys' bodies. Anyone who can't play the rules can't play sports. And so I thought it was a little bit absurd and, but I testified anyway, I told them my story and they just kind of sat on their hands. They're like, this isn't a big issue. You know, uh, there's no urgency. You're just kind of looking for problems. And so that was really discouraging to me because I was I was just genuinely confused. I didn't understand a lot about politics at this time. And then I I continued and um, got involved. Well, let, me, with let me stop you for just a second, yeah, Macy. We're ahead. talking with Macy Petty. She is a collegiate athlete. She plays for Lee University. She is an NCAA uh, volleyball player at the collegiate level in the state of Tennessee. And she's talking about her experience and her support for the Save Women's Sports issue and not having men compete against young ladies in collegiate sports. Macy, I'm just it's just reminding I'm thinking about I'm looking at your testimony here, a copy of what we have in March of last year. That was either right around the time or not that far away from the big story late, you know, last year where a lot of this issue came into focus for people. The swimming championships where our friend Riley Gaines was there and others where you had Will calling himself now Leah Thomas, this male swimmer who was competing in the women's sports. Was it right around that time? I'm trying to remember. It wasn't that far after it. It was the day before. It was the day before. Wow. So So. I, like you said, we're in, we're in season in the fall. So I got connected with Young Women for America. They asked me to testify in Tennessee. And then the very next day I drove to Atlanta and went to the national championship. So I was able to speak at a press conference and talk to all these female athletes and parents and unfortunately stand outside of the swimming complex as Leah Thomas stole this national championship. And so I am good friends. Well, with and her. not not only did he steal the national championship, he stole the show. He oh, stole absolutely. the attention away from young ladies that were competing that day. And we see ESPN and other people playing along with this, right? Nominating him for awards, making yep. it like it's a big deal to celebrate him. And I mean, look, I've seen a lot of pictures. I haven't stood next to him or had to be in the locker room with him, like young ladies like Riley Gaines did. But I mean, you look at the pictures. The only thing that looks like has changed is he's grown his hair out. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know what other treatments he might have been taking, but from what I'm hearing from Riley and others, the other anatomy of his body hasn't changed, and we can tell the big difference, right? You talked about volleyball. We know how much of a difference um, athletically it can make when you've got a, a swimmer whose arms are longer, body, the the intake of oxygen, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's really concerning, but you were there. At the at that event, I mean, you know, God, that had to be a wild environment. It was, it was. There was lots of protests and counter protests, but one of the most moving, moving parts for me was talking to parents. You know, I think about my parents who have watched me since I was that little girl outside learning how to overhand serve, and they went through that same experience watching their girls wake up early every morning to go swim and get laps in and do all these things, and now they're watching their daughter get to the national championship, which is a huge accomplishment. I've never made it to a national championship and I feel like I work pretty hard, (laughs) but they watch their daughters make it and they finally have an opportunity to swim for this incredible achievement. And instead they watch some guy come in and just totally, totally. And look, I mean, from what I'm seeing, we're talking with Macy Petty. She is a NCAA collegiate athlete. She plays volleyball for Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, um, you know, from, from what I can tell, what I read, Leah, Will Thomas was ranked 402nd, 462nd in the world or in the country for his division. 
in the yeah. men's division. Then he goes and competes in the women's division, and all of a sudden he's number one. He's getting trophies. Not only that, uh, he tied with Riley Gaines in a race, and they gave him the trophy. I mean, and so, but listen, we're talking about a year ago, right? So here we are. Um, it's been over a year, and now I think you're seeing with your courage and others, more young ladies, and particularly to your point, their parents, because I've heard from a lot of parents, they're nervous about talking about this publicly. They're yeah. nervous about having their children talk about it because they know what you see on social media and otherwise, you know, the backlash, the vitriol, the way that people get criticized on this issue. Um, we we had a testimony at a, um, a press conference where in one of the cases, where some of the young ladies didn't want to share a locker room with male students, they shut the team down because they they expressed their concern. And, yeah. and you're in an environment where these, you know, these scholarships are so precious, right? You want to stay focused on your sport. And so talk to us about how you've been able to balance that, because I'm sure it's been tough at times. It has been. And, and like I said, being a collegiate athlete is something that these girls, myself included, have worked our entire lives for, right? This is a huge achievement and not something that we want to risk lightly. And so I, I can understand where girls are hesitant because they don't want to lose their spots on teams. But also I think about, I, I co coach club volleyball. So I think about my girls who are 14 now, or if I'm blessed by God to have a daughter in the future, I think about the future of women's sports and what that means. If we let this line between men's and women's sports dissolve, because that will ultimately lead to no women's sports at all. And so that's something that I personally am willing to fight for and willing to stand up for. Um, but it, it is something that girls really, I, we really need to hear more female athlete voices because those well, are the key. I would agree with you. We're talking with Macy Petty. She is an NCAA collegiate volleyball player at Lee University, which is in Cleveland, Tennessee. She testified before their legislature supporting Save Women's Sports legislation. This makes it clear that men should not be competing in women's sports at the collegiate level. A couple of things that we've come across, Macy, is that um, over 90% of CEOs of uh, Fortune 500 companies that are women have a high school or particularly a collegiate athletic background. We know that there is a connection of women having opportunities for their future when they have those opportunities in athletics. The other thing I, um, I wanted to pick up on was um, something you mentioned about uh, volleyball, right? The average volleyball player, at least maybe in high school, I think you were commenting maybe college or high school is five foot four. When we see the difference in men in these volleyball, um, and we've already seen some other um, scenarios where we've seen uh, volleyball teams where men have been competing. We've seen it in basketball. We're talking about swimming. Um, I've saw it uh, a couple of weeks ago in golf, weightlifting, more and more sports. Um, and I don't want you to feel like you have to give names, but do you feel like since a year ago talking about this, are you hearing more and more from young athletes, from female athletes, in particular their families, that, you know, maybe they're starting to feel a little bit encouraged that somebody's looking out for them. Yeah, I think so. Especially with this wave of uh, more states stepping up and being able to stand in the gap and saying like, no, this is cheating and we're going to protect the safety of, of our uh, girls in our schools and being able to see courageous athletes like Riley Gaines. And they see that it is okay to speak up. You know, you look at things like the NCAA or these various schools, not only are they not fighting for their female athletes as they should, but they're also creating an extremely hostile environment for the girls to speak up for themselves, which is a big thing that must change moving forward. Yeah, you know, I was watching some testimony, some congressional testimony yesterday 
from uh, a member of our uh, delegation, if you will, from Texas, Chip Roy, who is a U.S. congressman. And he was asking questions. I forget who the person was, uh, a government official or someone on this issue. And he kept asking. So I want to make sure I'm clear. You're okay with men undressing um, next to girls in the girls locker room, in the women's locker room. And, and the guy who was asking the question, kept trying to find a way to answer it and say yes or no. But it was clear that was the case. And, and I saw people commenting about it on social media and posting on it on Twitter. And my opinion was their view is it's not that big of a deal unless you're assaulted. It's not a big deal to have some man undress next to you in a women's locker room. And I'm like, where have we gone? Right. And, and to me, it's shaming, it's gaslighting, whatever you want to call it. It is wrong to suggest that you only have to be assaulted for you yeah. to really have a concern Physically, about a man right. undressing. And, and I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. And it that's is. where people so why are we going to wait move. for that to happen? Why are we going to wait for a girl to get assaulted exactly. to speak up and say, no, it's not okay for men to undress themselves in front of them. Even well, if and, you know, Riley talked about, no, Riley talked about this with us too. And said, you know, for these young ladies, a lot of times they're not told ahead of time that a guy's right. going to enter their locker room and undress. Here you are an NCAA championships on the line, a scholarship, your high school state championship, whatever the case may be, your goal. And now all of a sudden you're traumatized or you're thrown off, you're distracted at a minimum because you got a guy undressing next to you. Um, you know, and, and I mean, that's a lot of time just for young ladies to get comfortable undressing again in front of anyone. Now you got a guy coming in there. Um, you know, it, I just think it's, it's, it's starting to be overlooked and, uh, and that's a shame. I think it's enough to say that shouldn't be happening as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and these poor girls who are speaking up are having to face consequences from it, from their schools, from their peers and being labeled as silly things like transphobic, just because they don't want to change in front of front of a man. Right. My question is these, these uh, elected officials, do they have daughters? You know, like what would yeah. they do if this were their daughter who came home when they're 10 years old and say, daddy, I had to try change my clothes in front of a man. Are they going to be like, oh, that's okay. You know, you, they didn't assault, they didn't physically assault you. So it's okay. Absolutely not. They have to think about this personally. Well, and a lot of this just feels like they continue to want to desensitize people about some of these issues. And, um, and, and we shouldn't be moving in that direction, but that should be at a minimum. Then you've got the other issues related to the competitive nature of the sports and the opportunities that are lost. And so I do think we see some consistency, if you will, from the other side or folks that, that want to act like this is okay. And they put a lot of pressure on the, the female athletes, right? Like almost to your point, oh, there must be something wrong with you then if you've got a problem with this. Right. And we all know that it's common sense, but and listen, this is a big reason why I'm in this area, right? And I know from your testimony, uh, I think it says you might be pre-law. Sometimes you got to, if people don't want to listen to common sense, you got to put it in law, right? As I was taught in law school, the law is a teacher. So there is a good reason to have state law and say, these are minimum standards. These are yes. lines that should not be crossed, right? And we will enforce them. Doesn't mean that always people will always follow them, but it, it says something as a society to say, here's where our standards are. And I know that's something that you support as well. Macy, we're about to let you go. I just, you know, maybe a word of encouragement. What would you say to some young athletes and even some coaches or parents out there that, you know, they're starting to get concerned about it, uh, but they haven't yet spoken out or they haven't yet had a conversation with their team. You know, they haven't yet sort of taken that next step to say, you know what, I don't think this is right. I want to do something about it. What could you tell them? Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> don't assume that common sense is common. You know, this is something that everybody is like, everybody in my, in my life is like, oh, obviously, you know, we're not going to have boys play girls sports. So that's why they're separated to begin with. But I think that it takes people saying that, and it takes female athletes speaking up. It isn't so obvious because when people aren't speaking, that's when the opposition takes advantage of it. So we need more parents. We need more, we need more state legislatures to speak up and athletes, female athletes, please use your voice. Don't be afraid of the opposition. There are more people on your side than they want you to believe. No, you're absolutely right. We're thankful that our governor, Greg Abbott, has made it a priority to pass legislation this session for Save Women Sports. Um, the Governor Abbott met with Riley Gaines when she was here in Texas testifying on this issue in support uh, last month. Our Lieutenant Governor has been very clear it's a priority issue for him this session. We had a conversation with the Speaker of our House. He said he's very supportive. The House bill version of this has over a majority. Just about every Republican supports it. It's already passed the Senate. That's Senate Bill 15, House Bill 23. We've, we're done in the Senate. We need to get it done in the House before mm -hmm. we run out of time. Macy, thank you for your courage on this issue. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. I know you're still an athlete, right? You still have opportunities that you want to take advantage of. So we wish you the best in your volleyball abilities and sports and your team, unless they play the University of Texas. So I might take <laughs> their side, you know, if we do that. But we wish you all the best. And listen, we want to have you come down to Texas sometime and interact with people. And please continue to connect with people publicly because you're an inspiration. And we appreciate you being a guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything that you guys do. All right. Great to have Macy. I kept her a little bit longer and I didn't leave myself a whole lot of time for my own commentary, but what a great conversation. What a fantastic and inspirational young lady. Uh, you know, and look, and I mean, sometimes it's easier when you've left, right? People are trying to criticize Riley recently. Oh, well, you're not, a, you're not an athlete anymore. So, I mean, she was, she knows what happens. And she was speaking out about this issue while she was still in college. And so you can imagine what it's like when you're in college and you're talking about this issue, right? How much more courage that takes as well. Uh, we saw that demonstrated with Riley, now Macy and others. I'm not trying to compare myself to this at all. I will say when I was a law student, okay, I sued my university, my law school to protect the free speech and religious freedom rights of the pro-life group that I was a part of at the University of Houston. And I ended up being the only one in the group eventually because people got scared. There were rumors that the university was threatening to kick people out of school. And so not a real comfortable environment to be a law student and be suing your university. There was an immense amount of pressure. My picture was on the front page of the school newspaper. And so, you know, thankfully we won. Okay. I mean, that had a lot to do with it. We won the lawsuit and protected our free speech and religious rights for our pro-life group. But, you know, I had a small taste of that, right? I mean, not a small, a pretty, you know, mouthful taste of what it's like to go up against the establishment, if you will, go up against the government uh, leaders and the government control and power in those circumstances and say, this isn't right. And I will go to court if I have to and put everything on the line, you know, and it was not my intention or my desire to sort of challenge those issues. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to law school so I can pick a fight on these issues and, you know, um, make some kind of difference. Like I was on some crusade. I did go to law school hoping to be in an opportunity to serve others. I didn't really think that I was going to end up being a client and myself be involved in a court case, but I realized, well, that's where I find myself. And if I don't stand up and say something, you know, this issue is not going to be dealt with. I didn't feel real good about that. My opportunities 
for for my law license and my career, uh, you know, could have been tossed aside, right? Flushed down the toilet, could have been gone because of that. And trust me, there were some people that wanted that. Some people are still staying that today, okay? On some legislation we're working on that relates to some of these issues for lawyers. But my point is, it was very real, that experience for me, right? I, I and, and if I think about it and sit down uh, and talk to you about it and, and spend a little bit more time, I can take myself back there to what those emotions were like, okay? What it felt like to walk into the classroom in my First Amendment class, right? Talking about these issues. I remember one of our professors was talking about the lawsuit while I'm sitting in class, right? I mean, that is how real that experience is. I mean, University of Houston, major university. And I'm not trying to, you know, make them look bad. This was 20 years ago. My point is, that's a very difficult environment to be in, right? And so I had to still focus on school. I had to focus on making sure I took care of other responsibilities and trying to run this pro-life group. And so it's not easy for young ladies to come forward, but it makes a huge difference. When we won that lawsuit, our group took off and we had a tremendous growth after that, but we were also an inspiration. And we set some precedent for this issue in our state and other parts of the country. And so um, our legislature has got to step up on this issue. The Senate has passed Senate Bill 15. Um, we're waiting for a hearing in the House. I know there's support. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to um, come at this negative from our House uh, legislators because I know they've signed on to the bill. But it'd be really nice if we got a hearing soon so we can keep this issue moving. I know there are a lot of issues coming. And when the days continue to go by, it allows people to wonder and go, boy, you know, let's not get behind on this issue. Let's not make it, let's not create an opportunity where the other side can take advantage of the timing and the process side. SaveWomenSportsTexas.com. You want to see Riley Gaines? Come to Fort Worth on May 5th. That event is about to sell out. It's a Texas Values event. Riley Gaines is going to be speaking on June 9th. We have an event in San Antonio. Get ready for our policy forum on September 15th and 16th. Listen, if you care about the work, we are tremendous. We're in tremendous need right now. This is one of the most active and expensive times, and we got to lay everything on the line. All the resources we have, we have to put them into the legislative session that's about to end. Please make a donation today. Make that tax-deductible donation at txvalues.org. We need your support every day, and that's how together we'll protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.